about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, are you ready this morning? Yes. All right, take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I don't want you to celebrate Pentecost today and then do it again a year from now. I want you to live in Pentecost because that's what God had in mind to begin with. So we're going to study a little bit about the kingdom of God and Pentecost and the power of God today and uh, instill some things into your heart. You'll be responsible to water the seed, of course. All I can do is throw some out there and uh, it'll hit you someplace or sooner or later or whatever. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 19. Paul says, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but the kingdom of God is in what? Notice, here's the Bible. Paul says that the kingdom of God, talking about the kingdom of God, is not in word, but it is in power. Now, the word power here is basically means supernatural power and ability of God himself. And the kingdom of God is about power. Now, so just looking at this scripture here, what separates the kingdom of God from religion? Power. Buddhism is talk, but the kingdom of God is? Hinduism is a lot of talk, but the kingdom of God is? A lot of denominations out there do a lot of talking, but you know what's different? The kingdom of God has what? Now, if you're in the kingdom of God and been born into the kingdom of God, you have got to understand that normal Christianity is no longer acceptable. Because the kingdom of God is power. So if I'm going to be in the kingdom of God and operate in the kingdom of God, then I'm going to have to operate in some kind of power. Because the kingdom of God is not talk only, but the kingdom of God is about power. Hallelujah. Go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, look at verse 1. Jesus said unto them, Surely or verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with what? Notice, once again, it's talking about the kingdom of God. He says when the kingdom of God comes, it is going to come with? Now, when I got born again, I basically never heard the gospel of the kingdom. I heard the gospel of salvation. It was the good news about me getting born again and me basically going to heaven someday. And that was basically the extent of the gospel that I heard. It was basically a fire insurance policy to keep me out of hell and make sure that I was going to heaven. And how many know the gospel of salvation is good? But the gospel of salvation is only part of the gospel of the kingdom of God because the gospel of the kingdom of God has come with? See, I didn't need any power when I was saved going to heaven. I was just born again, and I was just going to try to be a good little boy and do the best that I could, and someday I was going to die and go to heaven. I didn't know I needed power down here. didn't know I had power. didn't know I knew I needed authority. didn't know I had authority. I was just living my life, praise God, going to work, making a little money, you know, spending it, going to make a little bit more, wait until I retire, then I retire. I'll sit around for 30 years. I'll die, and that'll be the end of it. Nobody ever told me the true whole gospel, which is the good news about the kingdom of God, which is power. 
We even sang songs. Remember those songs we used to sing? When we get on the other side, no more tears, no more worries, no more cares. I can't wait till I go to heaven and die, praise God. But then when I started studying the Bible and I found out about the kingdom of God and the gospel of God, that it was more than the gospel of salvation. So the good news about the kingdom of God is that there is power and that power is here when? Now, see, I was taught also that once I got born again and once I got saved, basically I would have power in all these things once I died because the kingdom of God was in heaven. It wasn't here on earth. It was in heaven. So we had to wait till we died till we did that. But if you notice what Jesus said here, Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not die till the kingdom of God comes with power. So now that means two things. Either the kingdom of God is here right now, or there's someone here who is 2,020 years old, still waiting for the kingdom of God to arrive with? Now, we know that ain't true. And not only one, notice there has to be some of them. Now, we know that's not true. So that teaching about me dying and getting into the kingdom wasn't true, because according to Jesus, the kingdom of God had already come, and it had come with power right now already. So as I studied the Word of God, I found out that there was power available in my life today. There was authority in my life today. Not after I died, thank God, but right now Today, Jesus said, there be some of you standing right here which will not die until you see the kingdom of God come with what? Power. Power. So the gospel of salvation is good. We're getting people born again. We're getting them saved. But there's a bigger gospel than that. The kingdom of salvation is a portion of the kingdom of God, which not only were you born again, but the day you were born again, you received power. You received authority. You received healing. You received victory. You received all these things the day that you walked into the kingdom of God. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. Say, I've got power. Say, I may not know it, but i got power. That a boy. That a boy. Of course he is. You know, the other day I was uh, sitting in my prayer room and reading and praying a little bit, and then I just went to pray and had the light off and everything, and I got a ding on my phone. And I thought, gosh, somebody's texting me. I'll find out who it is. So I went over to look at the phone, and I didn't have my glasses on. So I said, well, I've got to find my glasses. So I go back in the prayer room, and I look by the Bible, and guess what? No glasses. So I walk in the other room, and there's no glasses. I thought, well, I was in the bathroom. Maybe they're in the bathroom. I walked in the bathroom, no glasses. Looking for my glasses. Look, I want to read this thing. I can't see it. I've got to find my glasses. So finally I go. I get another pair. How many of you got it? more than one pair? Come on now. Don't lie to me. So I went and got the new pair out that I keep in a golden case under lock and key. And I took those glasses out and tried to put them on my head. Do you know where my glasses were? On my head. Now listen to me. It didn't mean that I couldn't see. It means that all I had to do was pull my glasses down and I could see. But the ability was always there for me to Well, it's the same way with us in the kingdom of God. You've got power. You may not think you've got power, never operate in power, don't think you have power, but the kingdom of God comes with power. power. All right, Acts chapter 1. Let's just start at the very beginning there. The former testaries have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus both began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after passions by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to... Now, I guarantee you, if he, he was talking about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God was going to come with, then there's a chance when he was talking about the kingdom of God, he was talking about, just throw it out there, praise God. Look at verse 8. 
So Jesus gets into it. This is the last red that you're going to see here. He says, but you shall receive Now watch. He did not say you shall receive guidance after the Holy Ghost comes on you, but how many of you know you will? He did not say, but you shall receive comfort when the Holy Ghost comes on you, but how many know you will? Notice what he emphasized. How many know that might be important? He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Now look at verse 9. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him up out of their sight. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Verse 11, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into where? Hallelujah. Glory to God. When he said this to me, I'll tell you, it almost knocked me right on my chair. He says, the church is doing the same thing today. Jesus has gone up. The kingdom has come. Power has come. And most of the church is doing this. Send it on down. Come on. I know it's coming. Send it on down. Send it on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. Oh, I felt a goosebump. He's on his way. He's on his way. He's on his way. So we're standing there gazing and waiting for something that came to you the day that you entered the kingdom of God. The power of God came on you and in you on the inside of you. And that power of God is on every born-again, spirit-filled believer that's out there. Every single one of us has this power. The problem is we're not using the power. Now, if God gave us the power, do you think maybe he wanted us to use the power that he gave us? So we don't want to stand gazing anymore, do we? We want to use what God has already given us. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 10. I pray you get a revelation of this and the Holy Ghost knocks you right out of your seat this morning. All right, Isaiah chapter 10, look at verse 27. Now this is Isaiah prophesying about a future time that's coming. In verse 27 he says, And it shall come to pass when... In that day, say in that day. In that day. Notice, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away off thy shoulder and the yoke of bondage off of thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? So here's Isaiah, he's prophesying, he sees something in the future, he says there's a day coming when the anointing's going to come, and when this anointing comes to mankind, the burdens and the things that you've been struggling with and the bondages in your life are going to be broken because of the anointing. Now, if you look up the word anointing, how many know it just says to rub and smear? That's all the anointing is. We read it in the Bible, and if you don't understand it, it's anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Anointing just simply means anointing. How many of you, when you were kids, and you got the sniffles, and your mom didn't know what to do, so she got this little blue jar, and she gooped that stuff, and she just slapped that stuff. You thought you were sick, now you stink and you're sick. And she anointed you with Vicks Vapor Rub. And you got that. So the anointing can be anything, but how many know it's got to be power here? If it's going to break spiritual bondages and spiritual burdens, then he's not talking about Vicks Vapor Rub here. He's talking about the power of God that comes with the kingdom of God to destroy yokes and destroy burdens in your life. And notice when this is going to happen. In that day. Say in that day. Not when you die and go to heaven, but in that day when the anointing comes, when you enter the kingdom of God and the power is made available to us. So my question is, we've been in the church for 2,000 years. What the heck have we been doing? 
for 2,000 years. Why isn't anybody coming to the church? Why isn't anybody attracted to you? Basically because the only thing that's going to attract people is not just talk, but power demonstrations are going to wake people up and see that there's something supernatural available for them and also in your life. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 18. This is in red. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has what? In other words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has rubbed and smeared me with the Spirit of the Lord and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, how many know that is from the Old Testament? There's an Old Testament scripture in Isaiah 61 that says this same thing. So they saw Jesus as quoting this scripture into the New Testament. So basically he went on and said, and as he closed the book, he gave it again to the ministers and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say, say began to say, he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now what? He's doing great. He's quoting the Old Testament. He's in the synagogue. They know the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And He has anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives. And they're going, Amen, hallelujah. They're shaking in glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But then Jesus says something that makes them mad. You know what it is? This day. In other words, it's not coming anymore. Come on. It's not off in the future. I'm talking about a day, and that day in Isaiah is now this day for me because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And notice how excited they got. Look at verse 28. And all they that were in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill wherein the city was built, and they tried to throw him off the hill. Thank God my congregation's better than that. (laughs) Plus, we ain't got any hills in Florida. I'm pretty safe down here. (laughs) But notice this. They got mad. Why? Because everybody and even the church wants to put everything off into the future. As long as that day, as long as the day of revival is in the fall of 2020. As long as the next move of God is in the spring of 2021. But when somebody tells you it's now, when somebody tells you the power is available right now, the spirit of God is available right now, your victory is here right now, your healing is here right now, everybody wants to argue, everybody wants to get all shook up, everybody wants, why? Because God is in control of everything and God can do whatever he wants. God moves in mysterious ways. You never know what God's going to do. You never understand what he's going to do in every single thing. But notice according to this, when Jesus came, he had power and he said, what day? This day. This day. So we keep the someday. It's off in the future. We're all waiting. People have been waiting on a touch of God for 70 years. People have been waiting to get the Holy Ghost for 50 years. Notice, today is the day, Jesus said. I have the Spirit of the Lord on me right now with the power of God. I remember when we first started out, we started out in the Holy Ghost Inn. For, for some of you, it's known as the Holiday Inn. We changed the name. And we were in there, and we did Sunday mornings, and we did Sunday nights. And God told me for the first year that we were in there, just have Holy Ghost meetings and introduce people to the power of God, and just knock them down every Sunday night. And that's what we did. We just started knocking people down. Well, some people would come, and some people wouldn't stay, and some people would get mad, and some people would get glad, and somebody, I mean, how many know everybody does different to the Spirit of God things? And pretty soon after about three months of this, we had experts from down south come up. Heads of big denominations would come up. And as we were laying hands on people, they would get out their notepad and their pen, and they would take notes. People laying on the floor, and they'd step over this one and 
take another note on this one. Take another note on this one. And I was really, I didn't really want to mess with it. I'm laying hands on people, you know, so I just ignored them, left them walk around, and I don't even know what they were writing around. So afterwards, they come to me and they say, to, Pastor, what is this phenomenon This phenomenon of people, when you lay hands on them, falling over backwards. I said, well, they don't always fall over backwards. Sometimes they fall sideways. Sometimes they fall face first. Sometimes they shake. Sometimes they do whatever. You know, that's what it is. And they said, well, I don't understand what it is. I said, it's the power of God. That's what it is. He said, the power of God? I said, yeah, it's the power of God. And he says, and you think the power of God is floating around this place? I said, no, I think the power of God is in me and comes out of me and touches people who basically need a touch of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You lay hands on people, they shake, they quake, they do whatever. Some people run. You ever see people run around the church? I was laying hands on people, and some people that didn't even believe ran, but they ran out the back door. (laughs) Probably faster than the ones that ran in the spirit, praise God. Out the back door. So he says, I don't understand this. I said, well, let me help you. I said, lick your finger, go over to that socket, and stick your finger in it. And if you have no response physically whatsoever, I don't believe in the power of God either. I mean, no, he wouldn't do it. Why is that? Because just because that socket looks like an ordinary socket doesn't mean there's something extra in that socket, praise God, that could really cause some problems to you if you lick your finger and stick the darn thing in there, praise God. So nobody would do that, but he could understand that there's power. It doesn't have to be seen. It doesn't have to be there. The only problem is you've got to believe the power's in there. Now, how many of you in here, if I commanded you this morning to lick your finger, stick it in the socket, you wouldn't do it? You never saw the power in there, though, did you? You can't see it now in there, but you believe there's power in there. Why not put as much faith? Don't even have to lick your finger. Because we're washing our hands. But if we can believe there's power in that socket, why can't we believe through the Word of God that there's power on the inside of me that has come from when I entered the kingdom of God? So we have a whole church full of people who have the power and don't know it. Some who spend their whole Christian life trying to get what they've already got. Some have been taught to deny what they have. And some people basically know they have it, but they have no idea what to do with it. But Isaiah said, in that day, Jesus said, this day I have brought the kingdom of God and I am now rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and with power. All right, go to Acts chapter 2. You knew we had to go here today. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day, say the day. The day. Hallelujah. The day. We've had that day. We've had this day. And now we got the day. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a Russian mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them entrance. Now this was the entrance of the kingdom. This was the, the start of the church itself. And notice how the church started. It started on the day, on the day say the day. the day. It had fully come. They were one accord and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. They were still talking, but they weren't talking the same thing as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we had that day, 
this day, and now we've got the day. And the day actually happened on Pentecost day. Now notice what it says, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost is fully come, they were all with what? They were all with what? Now this tells me that one accord is very, very important to the move of the Spirit in your life in a, in a, of a body. Do you understand? People say, well, you've got a small body and there's not that many people there. I said, but yeah, but most of the people in my body have been with me long enough to know what we understand and know what we teach and we're in one accord. I mean, if you've got a church of 3,000 people, how are you going to bring people into one accord? You can barely bring them into any accord. You can't get them to play the accordion, for God's sakes. So many people there. But notice when you've got a church like this, and some of you have been here a long time, and you know what we believe here. You're not making up new doctrines. You're not going out there trying to figure out something else. You know what the Word of God says because we've showed you what the Word of God says. And basically, you believe the Word of God for what it says. So one accord is very important. And I'll tell you another thing. Sidebar. How many people did Jesus approximately appear to after he was raised from the dead? Dun, 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 dun. 500. First Corinthians says approximately 500 people. And what do you think Jesus said? Oh, the weather's really good today here in Florida, and we just thought we might go at the beach. No, he said, there's a kingdom on the way, and this kingdom is going to come with power. So he talks to 500 people, yet on the day of Pentecost, there was how many in the upper room? 24% of the people that he saw are the only ones who showed up that day. So is that an indication that maybe the power of the Holy Ghost and the move of the Holy Ghost is only going to be accepted by 24% of the people? that hear it I mean over my last 30 years I can say you to attest to that that more people have ran out the back door than ran around the church why is that because it's not natural it's supernatural it's a move of God and if you don't stay in tune with his stuff and the word of God you'll go back into the natural just like that it doesn't take you long you could be getting touched laughed nailed the power of God and shaken and get away from the word and everything for three months and the next time it happens you'll run right out the back door because that natural creeps in, that comes in, and it starts to cloud your mind and get you. But notice they were all filled. Say all filled. All filled. That means all can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. All right, look at verse 12. And they were all amazed, and they were in doubt and confused, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others were mocking and said, These men are full of new wine. Now, there has to be a reason. I'm just going to throw this out here. There has to be a reason that these people thought that they were full of new wine. They just didn't come up with something. Oh, they've been to McDonald's. Oh, I can see they've been through Burger King. No, there had to be some evidence that they had been in touch with under the influence of Amen. some new wine. Because apparently they were not dignified. They were not standing there very good like this, apparently. And coming from me, who drank alcohol till I was 30 years old, I know what under the influence means. And I know when you're under the influence, one thing, you're happy. You don't control your things very well, but you're happy. And you learn the more you do it to maintain the alcohol. And basically, I got to be a professional by the time I was 27, 28. I could drink two cases and on the way home get stopped by a cop. Walk the line in my sleep. Touch your nose, no problem. Why? Because I've been stopped two other times and I'm getting used to my drinking and I knew when to come out of it. Practice makes perfect. See? But was I still under the influence? You bet I was under the influence. Uh, deep under there, praise God. Well, it's the same way if, if wine 
can affect you to get a little, little bit of, you have trouble talking and you're slurring and you may fall down. And, but now once being influenced by something much more powerful than Mad Dog 2020. Hey, $1.99, you can't beat that drunk, baby. Beat it. Can't do it. Buck 99, praise God. Okay, and what does that do? That influences you. So you're trying to tell me that the spirit of God and the power of God that's on the inside of you, that's flowing into your very blood and your veins and everything else, isn't going to make you look like maybe something's the matter with you. Okay, I'll leave that out there for you. You figure it out. All right, look at verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all of you that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken unto my voice. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but only 9 a.m. in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Hallelujah. So what's he doing? He's quoting Old Testament again, just like Jesus did. He's saying, this is that, the prophet Joel, where his Holy Ghost and his smearing and his rubbing and his power is going to come on how much flesh? Oh. See, God don't care what your color your flesh is. He's just looking for some flesh Amen. to put your spirit on, to rub the spirit on, to rub the power of God on the inside of you, to get on the inside of you. Now look at verse uh, 16 again. But this is part of that. This is some of that. This is a portion of that. This is a piece of that. This is that. So this is that took place on Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. This is that. That is already here. So in that day is here. This day is here. The day is here. Every day is here. The problem is the church wants to continue to put it off into the future someplace. And you can't do that, praise God. It is now. And I'll tell you, people are going to get a revelation of this. They're going to start to understand what God has placed on the inside of them. The Holy Ghost is working overtime to try to get us to open our eyes of our understanding and understand we're not normal people just walking around in a normal world. And on the inside of us, the glory of God that he has placed there. It's like a balloon just about ready to pop and flow out of the eyes and the mouth and the heart of the people of God who are here. The Spirit of God is going to rise up on the inside of people. He's going to influence them into a place where sometimes they just do things basically because the Holy Ghost is showing them what to do and when to do it and how to do it. You're going to speak a word and you're going to see demons fall off people. You're going to preach a gospel and the power of God's going to fall on people. Even as I listen to what you say, you won't lay hands, you'll get close to them and the power of God's going to knock them down because this is the day and hour the time is running short and God can't wait any longer. He needs a group of people to raise up, people who are hungry for the things of God, people who want the things of God, people who are tired of playing church, people who are tired of doing bingo and huggy-huggy and all that stuff, but the power of God's going to flow out of the inside of the younger generation, the older generation. People are going to come out of the denominations because they're tired of that stuff. They want something that's real, something they can cling to, something they can use in the power of God, something that will flow and break them free and set them free in every single area of their life. It's got to happen. It's in the book. It is in the book. Cut it out now. You're messing me all up up here. I'm trying to teach. Trying to teach. Leave me alone. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We don't have to wait till the year 2026. You can start today. 
You can start believing what's on the inside of you. You can believe what you're rubbed and smeared with right now. You can believe what God has placed in your life and what's upon you. Don't go down into depression. Don't listen to the devil. You're a nobody. Don't listen to him that you can't do anything in your life. No, no, no. When you entered the kingdom of God, something happened. You may not know, but something happened to you, praise God. And when you see somebody else operating in that power, don't say they got it and I don't. Say they got it and I want the same thing and I want to do the same thing that they do right there. That's for the pastor. Bull! Many pastors not operate in the power of God. So the title pastor doesn't let you operate in the power of God. It's revelation from the word of God that tells you who you are and what you can do. And you start to believe it and you start to operate on it and you start to do it. That's the difference between titles mean nothing. Zero. Evangelist, pastor, prophet, teacher, that's fine, it's in the Bible, but I just want to be a Holy Ghost on fire, full of the glory of God, changing people's lives. I don't care. Call me PTDT, BTOP, whatever you want to call me. Doesn't matter, praise God. I want the power of God, and I want it to operate, glory to God, in my life. And I've seen it operate. I've seen people depressed that I laid hands on and saw that devil jump right off of them, and they were happy after that. I've seen people with a hole in their heart, and I've laid hands on them, and God supernaturally healed that hole in their heart. I've seen people, praise God, who's had migraine headaches for years. How about get off of him in the name of Jesus, migraine headache? Never had one since. Is that something special? No, it's what we should be doing. Special. They're just special over there. No, we just know what we got. We got a revelation of it. And we're going to operate in it, praise God, on a daily basis. Glory to God. I mean, come on. When you get in the spirit far enough, you can see on people what they got. Amen. You don't have to interview them. You just take a look in their eyes and you can tell there's something in there that doesn't need to be in there anymore. Amen. And you know that your words and the touch from your hand. It's going to flow out of the inside of you, praise God. It's going to touch people. Why? Because you've been rubbed. Yes. I've been rubbed and smeared. Ooh. Not with Vicks. Been rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and with? All right, go to Acts chapter 10. Is it hot in here? All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. It says, How God anointed, rubbed and smeared Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with? I notice this clarifies the anointing for us, don't it? Because Jesus rubbing and smearing is our rubbing and smearing. In other words, if Jesus was rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and power, then we have the same Holy Ghost and the same power that he has. Notice, who went about, say went about. Notice, he did not pray and ask God to heal the sick after this happened. He did not wait for revival and a move of God. He did not intercede for a breakthrough in his ministry. He basically went about. Say, went about. about. How many of you know if the church would just start winning about? They would just start winning about rather than waiting for this to happen or waiting for that to happen or waiting for the next move of God or waiting for the next revival or waiting for the thing. We could change and transform this world in no time, praise God. So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power went about doing good, say good, good. healing all that were what? Oppressed. oppressed of the devil. Now notice, he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. This power that you have is only going to operate in your life, according to the Bible, if you love righteousness and you hate in other words, I gotta love what is good and I gotta hate what is bad, but in order to do that, I gotta know which is which. Yes. In other words, if you think 
sickness is not demonic oppression, then you need to change your thought life. Amen. Well, I just believe God put sickness on me to help me to grow through my time. But the anointing ain't going to work much for you because you're loving iniquity. Well, I believe God allowed it. He allows me to be sick so that we can mature. No. See, that's not God. God's in the burden and yoke business of destroying it. He's not in the business of putting it on people. That's why he gave us the power. That's why he gave us the anointing. That's why he gave us everything that he did, praise God. So notice, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for what? God was with him. Now, how was God with him? He was in that rubbing and that smearing of the Holy Ghost and power that was in his life. Everywhere he went, he took that rubbing and that smearing with him. This is not a churchy thing. This is not a get me excited Sunday morning, have a few goosebumps, so I'm a, no, this is what you take from here today and you take out tomorrow into your workplace, into the places that you go because it's on there. And let me tell you what right now, it doesn't matter how you feel. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, he never said when the Holy Ghost came upon you, you would feel like it. He said when the Holy Ghost came upon you, you would receive power. How many has the Holy Ghost come upon in here? Yeah. Oh, my God. How many have power in here then? Yeah. Oh, that's even better news. Glory to God. So notice, Jesus did what? He went about. Say, he went about. Went about. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. Got to hurry now. The restaurants are back open. It's better when they were closed. Didn't have to finish. Nobody could go eat anyway. All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 23. And Jesus did what? Went about all Galilee, teaching in their cities and synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatics, and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. But notice verse 23. And Jesus did what? Went about. Say went about. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 35. And Jesus did what? Went about. Jesus went about all their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus did what? When he found out he was rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost, he did what? Now what does the church do? Well, the church complains about, grubbles about, gets mad about, gets upset about when we need to start winning about with the power that we have on the inside of us, praise God. All right, let me give you one type and shadow. Go to 2 Kings chapter 2. Jesus came with the Holy Ghost in power, but he came to restore to mankind that same anointing that he has. He came to bring it to us so that we could operate like he does in the world. Matter of fact, the Bible in John 14 says the same works that he did, we will also. Well, how did he do his works? He did his works with the anointing that he had on his life. So we're going to do our works with the anointing that we have on our life, which means the anointing we have is equivalent to the anointing that he has, so we can do the same works that he did. All right, 2 Kings chapter 2. This is a story of Elijah and Elijah. You need to read this for yourself sometime this week. Look at verse 6. And Elijah said unto him, basically talking to Elijah, 
Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you. This is Elijah, Elisha talking to Elijah. And the two went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle. Now, how many know his mantle? It was the anointing or the rubbing or smearing that he had in that day. And he wrapped it together, and he smote the waters and when he did, they were divided hither and thither, so that the two went around on dry ground. Now, here, here's Elijah. He, he sees Elijah, and Elijah's operating in the power of God. And he sees the magnificent power and anointing of God. So he's following him everywhere he goes. He's studying him. He's watching him. He's hanging out with him. And finally, Elijah says, why don't you just stay here and get it over with? Elijah says, no, I ain't going anywhere. I ain't going until I can do what you can do, because this is what I want to do. I'll follow you every single place that I want to go, every single way that I go. Listen to me. You're not going to operate in anointing and hang around a bunch of dead heads. So you need to get around people with the fire. You need to get around people who believe in the anointing that they got, believe in the authority they got, believe the power they got. You don't want to be drugged down by people. If anything, find somebody more on fire than you. Find somebody that embarrasses you every now and then because they're so on fire and say, my God, that embarrasses me, but I want to have that someday, so I'm going to be a fool just like they're going to be a fool. See? That'll work for you. Don't find somebody dead and walk around and you're so spiritual. No, it don't work that way. So he wasn't going to let go. He's going to follow him. And finally, it came to verse 9, and it came to pass when they were gone over the Jordan, and Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of my spirit come upon you. Hallelujah. Now notice, everybody in the church, I've been to double portion meetings. There's a double portion. It's going to be poured out Sunday night at 10 o'clock. Bring your wallets and come get yourself a double portion of the anointing. Why do you want a double portion when you've never did anything in the single? Come on. Triple portion. Give me triple. I'm going to go for Just start with the anointing you got. And according to the Bible, anything that you use seems to multiply. So you want a double portion? Start with the single. Want more than that? Do it. But you're just not, God's just not going to drop something on you. Okay, they've never done a thing in their whole life, but I'm just going to drop a double portion. Probably kill you. <laughs> before you were just shaking under the power. Now I'll probably throw you against the wall or something before it's over with because you're not used to it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, look at verse 11. And it came to pass as they went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. This had to be a sight. And part of them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it. Now, notice he'd been following him for a long time. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He then took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Hallelujah. Now, let me just ask a question here. You might be able to figure this out. <laughs> Elijah has got the anointing, got the power. Elijah's following him. He gets to the Jordan, can't cross. He takes his mantle, and he walks across on the other side. So now he goes up, and he leaves the mantle down. And here comes his next guy. Elijah picks it up, and he's standing by the Jordan. Guess what he did? The same thing, didn't he? Why? He saw the other. Well, if it worked for him, worked for him. And you know what happened? Look what it says. And he took the mantle of Elijah, verse 14, and fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. So what was he doing? He was seen 
what the anointing effects were in their life and how they operated. What's that type of shadow of? We've got Jesus' whole New Testament here. Of someone who operated in the anointing, operated in the power, operated in that rubbing and smearing, and we're supposed to follow him and whatever he did, we're going to do. If he opened the blind eyes, and we go up and blind eyes. If he raised the dead, we're going to raise the dead. If he, but you're going to have to believe that you've got some power to do that Amen. before you do that. You can't believe that God has all the power. If God had all the power, he wouldn't have gave us any power. And why give us the power if you don't expect to use the power? Right. Hallelujah. All right, one more. Go to Matthew chapter 11. All right, Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? In other words, John was put in prison, and all at once John wasn't sure whether Jesus was the anointed one or not. So Jesus answered and said, Go and show John again these things which you do see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the power and the poor have the gospel preached unto them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended. So here they come. He sends a couple of disciples back to John. John was the one who says, This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but how many know when you get in prison things start to change? Okay. Healed by his stripes. Praise God, it's so good to be healed until the symptom comes in. See? Same way with finances. You know, we went through the same. There's an attack. Here's Chrissy. All once her business is shut down. And before that, it was, we're prospering. And we're being in health, even as my soul prospers. And all once they're closed. Nobody coming in. Scissors is sitting there. How I mean, you know, it's easy to say, where is the God of Elijah? My God, we're... No, see, things start to change. So John was in prison, and he started to change. So Jesus says, I'll tell you what you do. I'm not going to go do him. You go back and show him the evidence of the anointed one. Now look what the evidence was. Was the evidence attending Sunday church? Was it tithing? Was it having an associate's degree in Bible theology? No, it was the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The dead are raised. The blind see People are being delivered and they're set free. Jesus gave him what was going on with the power. God spoke to me one time and he says, if you don't use the power, Tom, all you're going to be for somebody is pathetic sympathy. I said, wow, I don't really want to do that. How many know without any power, that's all it is? I'm so sorry. So sorry for you, you know. Sorry. I'm really sorry. You know how bad I'm sorry. I really am. I'm really sorry. Sorry, but if you've got something to do it, and people always say to me, well, you know, you, you preach this stuff, but I'll tell you what my Bible says. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Don't say a thing about power says love. Well, you're not going to love somebody if you walk by somebody that's sick, know you've got the power, and don't even love them enough to deliver them. Is that right? Come on, if you don't set somebody free and you know they got a devil, is that love to walk by and tell them how much power you got? No, so power is action. Power moves out. Jesus, how many know Jesus operated in power and love at the same time? He had compassion for people, but he used that power that he has on the inside of him. So this morning, I want you to grab a hold of, you've got something. You got something. 
you got something you may have never known, you may have heard it before, you may have been introduced to it, but you're the one that's going to have to water that seed and get that seed growing in your life to a place where you see yourself as someone with authority and power in your life. And you'll start responding differently to problems, situations, and circumstances. All these little fleas that jump on you all the time from the world aren't going to jump on you anymore because they're not going to bother you anymore. They're not going to be anything. They're going to stay molehills rather than mountains. All right, jump up this morning. Close your eyes, raise your hands. Okay, say, I know it now. I have been rubbed. I have been smeared with the Holy Ghost and with power. I am not an ordinary Christian. I am a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And all these things are now of God. I am full of the love of God, full of patience, full of forgiveness, full of power, full of authority. I choose this morning to go about into my workplace, into the grocery store, into every place I go, and I'm taking with me something that's in me, something that's on me, something that's powerful. Something that can change someone's life. I am anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. And I choose to live that way today. Today is the day of my power. Today is the day of my authority. Not tomorrow. Not last week. Not when I turn 40. Not when I turn 60. I'm not too young. I'm not too old. I am what I am right now, full of the power of Almighty God, and I'm going to be the devil's worst nightmare that he could possibly ever have, because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. All right, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added.